Welcome to The John Chapman Show, where we talk about the path of a wealthy millennial, uncovering the truth about building and protecting your nest egg. Join us on this journey as we hear the stories of millennials and mentors alike to help you plan, manage, and protect your wealth. John is an employee of WorthPoint LLC. All opinions expressed by John and podcast guests are solely their own opinion and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of WorthPoint. This podcast should not be relied upon for investment decisions and is for informational purposes only. What is a buy-sell agreement and why is it so important in your small business? Well, on today's episode, we talk with attorney Jeff Love, who is a partner at Gibbs Gidden in Los Angeles, who, who specializes in corporate and real estate transactions to better understand the inner workings of a buy-sell agreement. Running a business is hard enough, but it gets even more complex when you bring on a partner or maybe join a partnership. And if we've learned nothing else amidst COVID, it's that life can sometimes throw you a curveball. So if you're just about to start a partnership or you're currently working in a small business, even if it feels stable and secure, this is a critical aspect to understand of what Jeff calls a business prenup so that you can ultimately better protect yourself, your business, and your family. Be sure to subscribe to the show. You can leave a comment or a rating, or you can reach out to me directly at thejohnchapmanshow at gmail.com. Without further ado, let's dive in to today's episode. Okay, Jeff. Well, let me throw some numbers at you. I'm looking at a stat from the Small Business Association at the end of 2019. Of course, maybe the numbers are different due to COVID, but as of the end of 2019, there were over 4 million small businesses in California, and they employed over 7 million people, which is almost half of the, the entire workforce in the state. So it sounds like 4 million businesses in California, there's probably a lot of people that need to be considering a, a buy-sell agreement if they're going to think about a partnership or maybe they have one. So I wanted to bring you on today so we could specifically talk about what a buy-sell agreement is, why it's important, and what's all entailed. So let me just ask, well, where does someone start if they want to know what a buy-sell agreement is? A buy-sell agreement is its essentially a document that reallocates a business or part of the ownership of a business when someone no longer wants to be an owner or can't be an owner. The best way to think about it, I'd say, think about a hybrid between maybe a business prenup and a will because it essentially lays out exactly how a business is going to divide its assets and ownership in the event of a dissolution, divestment of an old business partner, a death, or a disability of an owner. And you're spot on because many, many of these businesses, they've, they've, gone, they've started, they've gone through the growth phase, all the business planning they've done, but yet one of the most important aspects hasn't been covered, and that's really how to hand over your stake in the business when you retire and the exit planning. And what goes along with that is, is the worst case scenario is what happens if something unexpected arises, a, a death, a disability, a divorce, and you haven't put those procedures in place to handle that exit planning. Yeah, it, that seems like probably part of the friction is that's a hard conversation to have. One, it's a, there's a lot of unknown. Two, it's maybe it's super heavy to try to think about it. And if I just think about this, maybe from a relationship standpoint, no one wants to think about a breakup or a divorce from a business standpoint. So I guess what's getting in the way of some people? Is it maybe they're just not aware or is it just the, the heaviness or the uncertainty of this conversation? Just in, in the businesses that you've worked with in the past, what do you think is preventing them from starting this conversation of a bicycle? It's several different things. One of them is, and you just you just mentioned it. It is it's a difficult conversation. You're talking about what happens if 
you know, let's call it a two owner business. What happens if your partner dies or they become disabled? You're talking about if they get divorced, you don't like their spouse. Maybe you don't want to be in business with their kids. So it's a difficult conversation because it's a difficult conversation. You're talking about things that are very personal and things that are hypothetical. So many business owners think, Hey, you know, I might be on the younger side. This, this isn't going to happen to me. I'm 30 years away from this. Let's just kick that can down the road. The other side is, you know, maybe you don't want to pay for an advisor to advise you, an attorney to put it together, and you just may not think you need it. Everyone's best friends. But that's why I alluded to kind of earlier. It's, it's the business prenup. No one ever thinks things are going to go sour. Everything is happy, copacetic, everything you're making money, growing your business. But you really want to plan for that downside because you, you want to plan for it when everyone's getting along. You can't plan for it when you're fighting because then it's already too late. Or if, if one of these events were to happen and your partner, you know, God forbid they get in a car accident and they're deceased, you can't deal with them anymore. Now you're dealing with that spouse that maybe you didn't get along with or a child. And now you're trying to come up with a buyout and a price where it would have been much easier to have that conversation earlier on with your, with your business partner. Yeah. So in just a second, I want to have you walk us through what all is involved in, in doing the buy-sell conversation, what's involved in talking to the attorney and how long it takes and what areas you need to cover. But maybe before even doing that, what, what's realistically the issues that people are going to run up against? You know, is it, is it most often disability or divorce or death? Like what is a business faced with where people then realize, man, this buy sell, I really needed it. Or man, I'm really glad I had it. What are the triggering events that's really bump, people are bumping up against? There are several. And I, I'd love to say that one happens more often than, than another, but we've run across you know many different ones, many different times. And one of them is death. You know, something happens to your partner. Maybe you know, you're older, and you know there's an unexpected death. I mean, look at—we're talking in the middle of a COVID-19 pandemic. No one could have expected this to happen, and the amount of deaths in the country—yeah, that's a gotta have affected many, many small businesses. You know, you can have a disability. You're, you're driving your car and get into a horrible car accident, and you're unable to work. And these are these are painful, difficult events to talk about. So there's no one saying this is an easy conversation, but these are the events you want to think about. You know, another one that happens a lot is a divorce. You may not want to be in business with a spouse. And depending on how many shareholders there are, if you're talking about you know, our, our two-owner business and each owner owns 50%, what happens when a strategic acquisition comes along or a, a new line of business and the partners disagree? A lot of times we'll see a deadlock where it's a 50-50 ownership and the partners just can't, can't agree. And while they're fighting, the business is deteriorating. So having that buy-sell in place allows them to have those mechanisms where one partner could potentially buy out the other to make sure the business survives, the yeah. exiting partner gets paid. So that's also Very a common one that you never really think that's going to happen. I'm, I trust my business partner. We're great together. But things do come along, and you may have a difference of opinion. And if it can't be resolved through negotiation, the buy-sell is the agreement that comes into place to help resolve that dispute. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think that's probably a, a good example to think about because you don't want to necessarily, when you're starting business, you're not expecting that it's going to you know shut down or go under or something like that. But like just having a disagreement, what's the direction you're going to go? What, how are you going to pivot? You know, what products or services are you going to get involved in? So I think that makes a lot of sense. And that this that was way you have a, a little bit of a backstop. So maybe Jeff, talk to us about what's involved when somebody engages an attorney like you. What are you walking them through in order to create or draft the buy-sell agreement? Well, the buy-sell agreement, it's basically the exit strategy for the business. So it's going to spell out who owns what and the event a partner leaves and what are the factors that go into that. So some of the items that we go through and sometimes we'll provide a checklist to a client because it's really something you need to take some time and think about. You don't want an attorney just to draft it because there's so many different variations of what you can do. And some of the items to give you a quick background on it is what are those triggering events? Is okay. it the deadlock, a death, divorce? What if your partner goes on a sabbatical for nine months and just doesn't work? You know, I've had deals where it's a unique industry and you didn't want the partner to be convicted of a felony because that could affect business with certain clients. So if there was a conviction of a felony, that was one of the triggering events. Hmm. So that's really the first question is what events can arise that may want one partner to be able to buy out the other partner or several partners out of a business. One of the next questions, important question is who's going to buy the shares? Hmm. Is it the company that's actually going to repurchase them? Is it the other shareholders? A combination of both. Maybe it's the other shareholder has the option, but if they don't have the money, then the company can come in. Obviously this becomes a lot more relevant if there's two or three shareholders than you know, three, four, five shareholders than just two. Is the purchase, is it mandatory or is it optional? So John and Jeff are in a business and John, I'm going to pick on you, John is disabled and can't work anymore. Yeah. Do I have to buy you out or is it my option? Mm, really interesting. And that can be different for every triggering event. You know, maybe you do something bad, you know, maybe you're convicted of a felony and we're in a financial service business. So I'm saying, I'm going to buy you out, but on a disability, it's at my option, but you may feel differently because if you are, are on death, let's, that's a better example. John passes away again. Sorry to pick on you, but John passes away and you want the proceeds to go to your wife because she has her own business. She doesn't want to be involved in this, but I say, you know, company may not have the money. You know, why does she just stay a shareholder? So it's thinking about the mandatory versus optional buyout and how is that going to be funded? Is the company, you know, have great cash flow and is able to, to fund this with a lump sum payment? Or is it something that we consider getting life insurance or disability insurance for and have the life insurance pay out the other partner and to jump into life insurance? Is it owned by the company or is it owned by each shareholder on the other shareholders? And can you take that life insurance with you when you leave? So these are just kind of some of the issues that you think about and decide how you want your plan to work. And that's why we, we do kind of call it a business prenup because you want to think about the assets of the company and the different ramifications because it's not one size fits all. You and I may have a different buy-sell than, you know, than John and his other business partner because yeah. we're at different ages, the company is different, a different, different stage of the company, a different industry, different partners. So that's why you really want to think about it. And that's where an attorney can help you 
run through these issues and make sure that it's tailored for your specific business and needs because it's not going to have the same value unless you do think through these issues and have those hard conversations up front so that you're able to prepare for the eventual exit in the future of the business. How common is it for you to see some type of insurance be included in the planning? More often than not, I'd say, you know, maybe 70, 75% of the time. And the reason for that is one partner may not have the money to buy out a business. This could be sure. a business that is that is, is is very valuable but light on the cash flow. And there's there's heavy IP, there, there's there's assets that you don't you're not in a position to sell to buy out the other partner. So life insurance provides that middle ground funding where maybe maybe that provides fifty percent of the lump sum. And the rest of the rest of the money is going to be paid out through a promissory note over the next five years. Mm, that's what I wanted to talk about next. Is yeah, the time frame, either just either a boilerplate or some options that you've seen in the past. You know, maybe one it happens just all year one or whatever this d- dissolution takes place. But maybe it could be over a number of years if if it's coming from cash flow from the business. So talk to us a little bit about those types of options where it could be maybe paid out over a few years. Well, the lump sum payment, you typically use that method with shareholders. Maybe there's a, a small percentage of a business. The value of the stock is, is low. Maybe it's an S-corp and it's a professional service business. The advantages with the lump sum is obviously the selling shareholders getting their money sooner and it can help their family get to them. You're, you're cutting ties with that old partner. You bring on someone else. But disadvantage, you have to come up with the money. Mm. So an installment you may still give them a down, a down payment or a lump sum up front and spread the rest over time. And what you can do there is you have some leeway with you know, what interest rate is being paid, how long a period you typically, you know, normally I'd say three years is kind of on, on the, the light side, maybe three to a seven year period to pay them out. Okay. okay. Selling shareholder doesn't want to wait forever. And in that range, you know, if it's on the longer end, maybe the selling shareholder is negotiating a higher interest rate to compensate them and maybe sure. they're getting some type of security because okay. if I'm waiting seven years for my money, I want to be protected if something happens or you're bringing on new debt, maybe file a UCC finance statement on the company's assets and maybe also negotiate some type of acceleration event. You know, if the company brings on a new partner and they're contributing a substantial amount of capital, mm. maybe that accelerates okay. my, my installment payment and I'm getting paid sooner. Okay. So, that's an area where there may be negotiation between the partners if it is a longer installment payment rather than the upfront lump sum. Okay. This is also making me think about tax ramifications. And and I know that we we can't really give tax advice and you're not a CPA, so I don't expect you to to nail all, all the ins and outs. But generally speaking, what are the tax ramifications that they need to think about? One is capital gains. Obviously, making sure that as much as possible of this payout is going to be in that lower tax rate because if mm-hmm. obviously if you're charging interest on this amount then you're going to run into the mm-hmm. distinction between what is capital gains and, and yes. what is ordinary income yep life insurance you want to look at the tax ramifications there and typically that would be you know tax free there are ways to structure the life insurance where it may not be depending on who it's going to and yep. that's an important question to kind of run by your CPA but it is a great point and that is one of the areas that you know as an attorney that doing this a buy sell for a client 
we would absolutely want to consult with their CPA and make sure that it's structured in the most tax efficient manner. And one of the ways that we do that and can also be changed is, is the company redeeming the shares or is it the other shareholder? Because when the other shareholder does it, they could potentially get a step up in basis on 50% of the company if they're buying out a right. partner. Yeah. In contrast to the company buying it and those shares are just redeemed. Now I, I as the one shareholder, I still have a I still retain my basis even though I've paid out this money. So obviously the advantages, the disadvantages of of each. And we've done the, the cross-buy sell where a shareholder is buying out another shareholder versus the redemption where the company is buying it. But you want to look at the whole picture and weigh the, the tax ramifications as, as one component of the buy-sell. Yeah, yeah, that's important. So I guess I can, the first question I was thinking as you were talking about this is maybe an example of when the company would opt to buy the shares versus another individual. And, and maybe that's just a matter of how many partners there are in this business. But what would be the category, you know, what are some of the factors that go into whether the business buys it versus another shareholder? One of the easiest ones is, is as you kind of said, how many shareholders are there? If this is a, still a small business, but you have 10 owners, most likely we're going to go with the company redeeming the shares because yeah. it becomes too difficult with each shareholder paying Good their point. proportionate shares and they may not have the money to do so. So it could be a smaller company, but with many shareholders, you might lean towards the company doing the redemption. Another item to think about is if the shareholders have the money, is if they don't, is the company just going to make a distribution to the shareholders? So if the shareholders don't have that funding, the company may be the one doing the redemption versus if there's only, you know, back to the John Jeff example, if we're just two partners, in that case, we may have, I may be the one buying you out or vice versa. And even if I didn't have the money, maybe the company could make a distribution to both of us. And part of that distribution goes towards the purchase of your shares. Yeah. So in that context, it would be easier to manage with the two shareholders. Also life insurance. You know, if you have life insurance on all the shareholders, that makes it a little adds complexity. If the company is the one that holds those policies, right. And it may, it may push you towards the company doing the redemption, despite the tax consequences of the step up in basis yeah. um, because of that life insurance component. Man, that's, well, I can see how it can start to get complex. Uh, the other thing I'm thinking about is how often does this agreement, once, uh, let's assume that fast forward, somebody has already gone through the heavy lifting to establish this, how much work does it need to be, or, you know, how often does it need to be tended to and updated throughout the years? The tending to the buy-sell is really the valuation. And okay. that depends, how are the value of the shares going to be determined? Okay. Are you doing an appraisal? at the time of the triggering event? Is there a formula that you've built into the buy-sell of how you're going to determine value based on you know, book value, earnings, a combination of both? Or are you gonna agree upon the value? You know, I've had businesses with a buy-sell where each year the shareholders get together and say, we agree this is the value of the business. Really to save money on appraisals, the formulas may not work for them. Okay. The risk there, and I've had it many times is, shareholders would get to get together and then something happens and they go, Oh wait, we never agreed on the value. Now what do we do? <laughs> so mm. that last one is one needs a lot more tending to than if we're just going to get an appraisal of the shares, but 
you know, it depends on, depends on the, the valuation formula that you're putting into the agreement and how you're going to arrive at that. And are you constantly bringing in new partners? Typically, if you're bringing in a new, new partner shareholder, they would be bound and sign on to your buy-sell or shareholders agreement if that's where the buy-sell is located as they become a shareholder of the company. They may have comments to it and want to adjust or not agree to certain things. So that could be also another circumstance where you may need to tend to the agreement and may make some modifications. But hopefully the heavy lifting has already been done and it's a much easier conversation the second time around with minor modifications to appease that new, new shareholder and individual or company that's providing capital. Okay. Okay. Well, this is an important conversation. I feel like we've already covered a good chunk of the meat and potatoes for what a buy sell is, why it's important, and what are the steps to create it. So what other things, Jeff, are involved in this process that we haven't yet talked about that people need to be aware of? The biggest issue kind of we, we haven't talked about is, you know, it's just really the exit planning aspect of it. We've talked about the triggering events. We've talked about how you value it, but how do you want to leave the company to the next, you know, next generation or keep the business interest surviving? You know, one of the tougher ones we deal with is, you know, let's say the example is no longer John and Jeff, but John and his children, and he wants to leave it to, to three children is thinking about, you know, if something happens, how is it divided among those three children? Do they each get a you know, equal stake or is, you know, it's kind of gets into a little bit of estate planning as well in that, you know, as the close, the, the closer the business is held, the more you, you do touch on a little bit of estate planning and how do I want this business to go to the next generation and mm. divide it up amongst my estate, my children, my wife, my, my wife and other family members or my business partner and making sure that we have thought through a plan and a really an exit plan for the current business owners. And yeah, I can see next generation, but the next, you know, this, this is the successors to us to make sure that this business will continue to survive and thrive with the new operators. Mm, that's a, yeah, the estate planning conversation is just a totally, it's an, an additional element that is so important. And that's, I'm glad you bring that up because it's, it's different than just saying sort of the prenup aspect of it, but the layering the estate planning conversation just adds, adds more to it. And you may not need to get into it. You, you may have an estate plan and everything, once it flows through your estate, it's divided up that way. And the buy-sell can just say it's going to John's estate and it's going to go to you know, children that way. But a lot of small business owners, you know, they, I hate to say it, but they, estate planning is another area that they may have not addressed. I've had I've many clients that are extremely successful, high, high net worth individuals that don't have wills, don't have trusts, don't have any estate planning. Scary. And while that's not my area of expertise, you know, I counsel them and say, let's do the buy-sell, but you need to get your estate planning in order yeah. as well yeah. so that when we do the buy-sell, that we understand what the full exit planning is because it doesn't make as much sense if we're making sure that it's going to go to your children. If your children are then going to fight over who gets what percentage and what roles they may have in the company. So your buy sell could be, you know, it could be simple or it could be very complex. I don't want all the listeners to get the understanding. This is a, you know, a huge document and incredibly painful and hard to negotiate. 
you know, it could be, there could be agreements on all of these items and you may not have to get into the nitty gritty on all of these issues, but these are some of the issues that do come up when thinking about the buy sell. And I can't stress it enough, but one of the most important things about the buy, a buy sell agreement is it gets you to have the conversations and realize what you haven't thought of and maybe oh, great, what's great missing. Point. Yeah. You know, God forbid, it, you know, I wish everyone could have had this conversation back in January or February of this year, you know, before this pandemic or point. who knows, you know, I hope that, you know, natural disasters, who knows what's coming next. You want to have these conversations and make sure you're prepared because it's not just your individual estate, but you kind of want that quote, you know, quote unquote estate for your business and making sure that you understand because it's a lot more relevant for a small business versus a publicly traded company with thousands or millions of, stockholders when it's two or three or four the issues become surprisingly you know more difficult to deal with because there are only a few owners and everybody really wants that seat at the table yeah well jeff this is a great conversation thank you for sharing your expertise with the audience uh, i want to make sure that we highlight you and your firm so if people are interested in reaching out jeff talk a little bit about your firm and what's the best way to get in contact with you Sure. My firm is Gibbs Giddin, Local Turner Senate in Wipro. I, I know it's quite a mouthful. We sometimes go by Gibbs Giddin. I'm a partner there and specialize in you know, corporate and real estate transactions. Feel free to email me. Always happy to answer questions. The email address is jlove at gibbsgiddin.com. Our website is www.gibbsgiddin.com. And that has my telephone and LinkedIn address, everything else. Yeah, yeah. Always get a hold of me right on the website. I'll make sure to put a link to that in the show notes for today. So Jeff, thanks again so much. This is a valuable conversation and just really appreciate you stopping in to share some feedback. Thanks. Thanks for having me, John. Thanks for tuning in to The John Chapman Show. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or Spotify. We encourage your questions, comments, and feedback. For additional information, check out thejohnchapmanshow.com or look for John on LinkedIn and Twitter. See you next week.